I was raised by a single mom. My dad left my mom when she was pregnant. And so it was just her. So I had a very feminine upbringing. Um, and I've always, growing up, my closest friends, even until, even today, are, are women. It's something I'm aware of, and I actually have no shame in that. That's something I, I, I love women. Um, but also, it's, it's made me feel very uncomfortable being around, you know, your regular Joe. Um, someone who is more of a, a lad's lad, let's call it. And um, because the idea of masculinity for me was always, has, has growing up been lacking. And, you know, being effeminate or slightly effeminate, I've, I've often been teased about femininity. So that's Bruce Chung, and this is the Yoga Life Podcast. What's up, everyone? How are you? I hope you had a good week. I hope you're enjoying the seasonal change. Autumn is here, and it's nice. I like it. The leaves are looking interesting. The sun is shining. The sky is blue, and it's nice and crispy. So I, I like this kind of weather. It feels Christmassy. Um, yeah, today I have with me Bruce Chung. Now, Bruce is... Well, I first met Bruce when I was doing my 300 hour with Bryce by Shoga. And Bruce was on board helping to support Brian Dice. Um, and uh, we uh, got to learn a lot about him because he, he gave a talk, talk about his experiences being a traveling yoga teacher. And I thought, wow, that'd be really interesting to share that his story with you guys, with the, the yoga lifers. That's, that can be the new name uh, of the, the people that listen to this podcast, if you want. Um, yeah, and because uh, I, I, I think it's, it's an interesting avenue to go down to travel the world and teach yoga. It's, I've heard mixed things about it. You know, it can be a lonely experience. It can be an exciting experience. Um, and I wanted to get Bruce's take as someone who's done it for quite a long time now and, um, and see how he transitioned from that into teacher training. So he's got an interesting story because he used to work in the corporate world and uh, now he's fully fledged, well-established yoga teacher all around the world. Um, I also like the fact that we focus on this episode on masculinity in yoga. And this is an area that interests me in particular. And Bruce has some really interesting insights from his own experience, uh, especially experience. Uh, being in different countries and seeing how yoga is, the yoga culture is in different environments. So I hope you enjoy it. As always, if you do, please leave me a review. If you have any thoughts, feelings, feedback, I always love to hear from people. Um, someone said to me yesterday in my class, they're obsessed with my podcast. I was like, oh man, that's so cool. So um, I hope you're obsessed as well, but in a healthy way. And, um, you know, once a week is enough. <laughs> so um, enjoy. And um, yeah, here's Bruce. Welcome, <clears throat> Bruce. Thanks, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, am I right in thinking that this is your first ever podcast? That is correct. You yes. excited? Yeah, I'm excited. 
I'm a bit nervous, but okay. um, you're easy to be around. So thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, we've spent the last ten or so days together, haven't we? Because we've oh, I've just finished my Bryce teacher training, three hundred hours, um, which you were helping on. Mm -hmm. So how did you come into contact with Tyson Bry? So in two thousand and twelve, I accepted a contract with a studio called Absolute Yoga Bangkok. And around the same time that I joined the studio, they, the studio, Absolute Bangkok, <coughs> partnered with Bryony and Dice. Yeah. Um, they, Brian Dice were the brand ambassadors for Absolute. And so the weekend that I ended up moving to Bangkok, um, it just so happened that Brian Dice were also launching a series of workshops with the studio. And that's how I first met them. And that's how our relationship first started to take formation. Yeah. I um, ended up doing about one year in total with Absolute Bangkok. And over that year, Brian Dice um, often came to Thailand to teach various workshops and events. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of... Um, several of those um, teaching events, if not most of them, mm -hmm. in different capacities. And it was through that, that year in Bangkok that really helped to foster the relationship that I have, that I have with them. Mm -hmm. They're so nice, aren't they? Yeah, they're, oh, God. they're nice, they're <laughs> just, inspiring, and yeah. just so real. They really are. Yeah. And, uh, and was, it was absolute, is that Lucas Rockwood? Is that his... Yeah, so Lucas Rockwood um, ran something called the Absolute Academy, which was independent of Absolute Bangkok, but sort of under an umbrella of mm -hmm. sorts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I had him on the podcast recently. Yeah, yeah which I of which I listened to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was a great episode. Thank you, Jez. Um, so um, let's start from the beginning. Sure. <laughs> who <laughs> which, is which who, beginning? Who is Bruce? Yeah. Uh, no, because we've got to know each other quite a bit over the last few days, which has been great. Yeah. And um, we've spoken about how it, it's so interesting. There's so many different types of people that teach yoga mm -hmm. from all different backgrounds, all, yeah. different, all different styles, personalities. Yeah. Um, so you're from Canada, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm from Toronto mm -hmm. and uh, or Toronto. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't know Toronto. Um, <laughs> and... I I would have left Toronto um, at the age of 26, so about 11 years ago. Mm. Um, but I first s started, I mean, I, I, I found yoga whilst in Toronto. Mm. Um, I started teaching yoga whilst in Toronto. Um, but you weren't you weren't always a yoga teacher, way. Didn't you work in banking before? Yeah, that, that's correct. That's so, a bit of a transition. What happened there? <clears throat> yeah. So actually, um, right. So out of um, out of secondary school, uh, most people go to university. Yeah. And you know, I grew up um, not with so much disposable income, mm -hmm. and so to go to university, not knowing what I wanted to do you know, at 18, 19, however, however old I was, I just felt like it would be a bit irresponsible, mm -hmm. let's say. So rather than going to university, I took on a, a temp job. Right. And it just so happened to be at um, a bank. Mm -hmm. And over 
this was I think 2011 over the first six months of me in this in this role temp job the I guess my man management could see that um, I was brighter than I looked <laughs> <laughs> and so they you know they started giving me more tasks and more responsibilities and um, also hired ended up hiring me full-time mm -hmm. and um, over over the over those first few years I ended up moving my way up um, within the company and um, I ended up working at the bank for a total of seven and a half years wow. yeah um, but I was so young mm. and uh, I didn't really know anything else. You know, I didn't have any other skills. I didn't really complete university. I, I ended up going part-time um, once I had an idea of what I wanted to study, which was um, urban studies or the study of city planning. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd say about around the four-year mark uh, of being in the bank, I was up for a uh, management position, mm -hmm. um, a people manager. Um, at the time, I was 23, I believe, and um, I felt quite confident of my ability to take on that role. I interviewed for it, but in the end, I was turned down, and they, they told me that it was primarily because of my age. And so at that time, it was a bit of a wake-up call for myself that, um, or it, rather it made me question why, why I was in the bank. Um, because it's not really somewhere I saw myself long-term. Mm. So why would I invest my, my energy in trying to take on a position that would only lead to more growth within this company mm -hmm. at the same time i was already practicing a lot of yoga and uh, in fact it was used as a tool to help me manage my stress for my day job mm -hmm. and uh, many of my friends were having a lot of experiences living um, abroad you know a lot of them did uh, university exchanges or working holidays and you know i had a, i had a taste of some travel at that point but I just wanted the idea of living somewhere outside of Canada really, really um, intrigued me. And I knew that I wanted that, but I just didn't know how. And again, that goes back to me earlier saying I had very limited skill sets other than what, at least that's what I thought, um, other than working, you know, within a bank. And mm -hmm. I thought how can I be in banking or how can I take those banking skills and um, use them as a way to move abroad but at the same time knowing that I didn't really want to be in banking mm -hmm. um, I, I needed to think of another avenue mm -hmm. and so one of my really good friends in Toronto Joshua he shout, shout out to Joshua <laughs> <laughs> um, he was always a, a mentor to me um, a bit of a sort of life guide let's call it and uh, you know he was older than myself and he knew how how taken I was by by yoga and so he encouraged me he, he you know he asked me did you ever think about becoming a teacher I can see you uh, really excelling in this role but I also see you I also see it as a ticket for you to live out this dream of, of living overseas mm. 
so um, 2000, this is now maybe 2007 that we're having this conversation. So he and I both applied for our um, first yoga teacher training and it's called, uh, it was with Moksha Yoga. Um, it's a it's a style of hot yoga that's quite popular um, in 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 Toronto or rather across Canada and even these days around the world. Um, and we did that in in two thousand eight. Mm. And sort of once I took that step to complete my first teacher training, and um, things just kind of. I don't know if snowball would be the right word in this context, but there was a domino effect, a yeah. positive domino effect from that point. Yeah. Um, one of them being, you know, because I was still employed by the bank and the, the teacher training that I did was, it was a, a one month intensive in India. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew that I wanted to also take a bit more, a bit more time off to, to travel and explore India. And, um, you know, in North America, our, our, our leave is quite limited. I think at that point, although I had been with them for seven years, my, my leave was only 16 days or the equivalent of three weeks. Wow. So to take seven to eight weeks off would mean, you know, a conversation with management. And so I, I told myself, okay, I really want to do this teacher training. I'm going to ask for eight weeks off. And if they say no, then I'll resign. But in the end, actually, they supported my decision to take time off, <laughs> and um, a job was still there for me when I when I decided to go back from Toronto, which was great because it also gave me the ability to have, uh, I guess, what people might refer to as a stable income while exploring teaching. Mm. And uh, as I say, this is two thousand and eight, so is the the yoga scene at least in Toronto looked very different than it is now uh, I was very lucky to when I returned from my teacher training to have lots of teaching opportunities and really be supported by my my home studio and um, other other studios and I think that really put me in a uh, positioned me well for um, what was to come mm. yeah. and since then you've um, I would describe you what you're most no, a well-known for is as a traveling yogi. I yeah. mean, you've been to amazing exotic places and you do your teacher trainings. What is that life like? You're the first uh, traveling yogi. Sure. Is that the right term? Is that the right term? Yeah, you know, I see I've had on, traveling so. yoga teacher, traveling yogi. Yeah. Um, What's that like, that life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it all happened very organically. So my first, when I left Toronto, my first gig was um, in Singapore. And so I lived in Singapore for two years. Following that, I moved to Bangkok, as I, as I mentioned already, and I lived there for about a year. Then I moved on to Hong Kong and lived in Hong Kong for, for about two years. And actually between Singapore and Bangkok, I ended up living um, here in Dublin for, for about six months, mm. um, actually helping out uh, Joe at the time um, when she first opened Hot Yoga Dublin. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was really great. Wow, you've known them a long time. Though. Yeah. That's cool. So it's been also amazing to see their their growth. Um, so I've always lived in, although, I, although it was abroad, I've always lived in places. And it wasn't until I left Hong Kong, which is uh, October 2015, that I really took on this um, 
traveling yogi lifestyle. And it wasn't something that I had planned. It happened very, uh, for lack of a better word, organically. Um, you know, at the, at the time I, I, I had a, a partner and he was actually offered a job in the U.S. So we moved over to the U.S. after Hong Kong. But um, I, had, I had a lot of difficulties obtaining a, a proper working visa. Even though I'm Canadian, just that, it, I think for anyone, it's just really difficult to obtain a, a working visa in the U.S. So after about four or five months of, of not teaching whilst, you know, sort of trying to set up this life with my then partner, um, after about five months of not teaching, it just really um, had me question, you know, my, my value or my worth because I wasn't sharing what really meant the most to me. And so I, after, you know, wallowing and <laughs> in my own despair, I decided to just take things into my own hands and, and began to reach out to different contacts that I had within my network to to say that I wanted to come and visit and, and teach. And um, I remember my first sort of <clears throat> travel schedule was about six weeks uh, across Europe, um, you know, teaching in Paris. I even came here and did a did a workshop with Yoga Hub and um, ended, ended up going to Asia for uh, a one week or just shy of um, a week retreat that I had also planned in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's become this um, way of life in that not having a home, um, well, a place of residence, let's call it. Um, I've had to just keep moving forward while also needing to work Mm -hmm. and being able to travel and teach has has made that happen. How did the first... Um, sorry to cut a question, no, no. but I'm interested because um, a lot of people that listen to this are yoga teachers that yes. just started out yes. and they're probably thinking, how do you get the first gig? So how did the Singapore thing come about, your first? Okay, uh, going back to 2008. Yeah. Um, so the founder of Moksha Yoga, Ted Grand, he, I guess he was very well connected and um, on our, you know, there was a teacher forum or teacher board and yeah. you know every now and again an opportunity would pop up on the on the board um and as i said my one of my driving forces was to leave canada whilst uh, you know being able to to teach yoga and so there were a couple of other gigs that came up one of them was actually in trinidad trinidad and tobago and I had applied for that, and that was a really great conversation, but that didn't end up going anywhere. And then when Singapore came up, I, I jumped on it. Okay. So I wrote in, and I said that I was quite interested in um, applying for that gig. And then once I think I was in Asia, um, a lot of at that time, a lot of the teachers were also expats. And so it... And it was... With the expat lifestyle, it's also a transient one. So you'd make a friend from Scotland, and then they'd leave. And then you'd make a friend from Australia, and then they'd leave. And you'd make a friend from Germany, and then they'd leave, and so on. And so it's like the network just kept building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it came time for me to start looking for for work and started setting up that first travel teaching schedule, it was relatively easy for me to to just tap into 
my network, but also these were these were my friends, mm -hmm. and um, I was never really afraid to ask for a helping hand, and I think that also lended itself well to to the last um, I guess two and a half years. Mm. And how did you then transition between teaching students to teaching trainings? Um, I think maybe after where was that? Uh, after about seven years uh, of myself teaching, so I've been teaching since 2008. And I think actually even after assisting Brian Dice on their first 200 hour in 2013, mm. I started to um, feel that I had things that I wanted to share or things that I had to offer. And so what I actually started was, what, what I started with was a, um, just sort of a weekend intensive geared towards existing teachers. And I held this in the, the Philippines. Okay. And that's uh, a good idea. Yeah. Starting off with just a weekend first. Exactly. Yeah. And, and um, that was a really great opportunity um, just in terms of uh, personal and professional development. And from that experience, but, you know, by the end of it, I knew that mentoring, let's say, um, was something that I wanted to do. And the, the first 200-hour training that I ended up leading was also in the Philippines. And that was two years ago, October 2016. And it was actually with my ex-partner. And um, the, the, the great thing with, with Steve was um, his background in education. And so when we teamed up to create the course, um, he took his experience of curriculum building mm -hmm. and uh, I brought my experience with teaching mm -hmm. and we created this teacher course. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you, cause you just came back from what, your teacher training was in Greece, was it? Or no, that was in Sweden. Oh, in Sweden. Yeah. yeah Where did yeah. Greece come from? <laughs> <laughs> I had a retreat in Greece at, okay. the, at the start of June. Yes. Okay, right. Fair so your life is filled with um, flying to exotic places. <laughs> yeah. yeah and <laughs> Meeting it's, loads of lovely people. Oh, it's, it's great. It's tough. It's, tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard life. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think from one thing I learned, uh, well, one of many things from Bry, um, um and dice is the amount of ways that you can diversify as a yoga teacher mm -hmm. and that you don't yeah. have you don't have to i mean teaching public classes is fantastic and that is your bread and butter mm -hmm. um and that's where you learn the most but it's great to know that you can do other things and you it's all down to your imagination and going yeah. out there and getting it yeah and, and i think it's uh, what's the most obvious thing to say is instagram is a way to do that mm -hmm. how because you, you have some beautiful photographs and, uh, on and uh, great content on instagram how do you see that how has it helped you um in terms of your because I, I use the word business but as as we said as brian said brian he said um the other day you know you are a business mm -hmm. yourself really you're, you have, you're your brand exactly you're your brand so for want of a better word how has instagram helped your brand and do you have any kind of examples of that like collaborations or okay yeah uh, that type of thing yeah um in fact i've always been 
always. Um, before, I was quite resistant to social media. Um, I think it's because, especially whilst I was employed by these big box yoga studios in Asia, I never really felt that I needed Instagram yeah. or any other of the social media apps. You know, I have Facebook, of course. And then um, going back to when I first left Hong Kong to move to San Francisco and explore more freelance teaching, which I hadn't done in, you know, years since I left Toronto, uh, I, I was aware of the need to create uh, a brand or to put myself on social media and start showcasing my, uh, I guess, abilities mm -hmm. or and skills. <clears throat> But um, it's been really interesting to think back because um, that was only, where are we now, 2000? That was only three years ago. Um, it's, it's, it's been interesting to look back on my own journey on Instagram and um, how it's now, yeah, it's now being used as a tool for me to create different connections with people all around the world. And um, I think within the last year and a half or two years, especially I've been spending a lot of time down in Cape Town, which lends itself well for beautiful photos because these landscapes are stunning. Mm -hmm. And I've had, you know, because I've taken photos of myself um, using the different landscapes and I guess through different hashtags, I've been um, found by a couple of different photographers, photographers, excuse me, who have then reached out and said, you know, uh, I'd love to collaborate with you, and so through through Instagram, I've um, I've had a couple of pho uh, photographic, uh, I've had a couple of collaborations with photographers. Mm -hmm. um, through Instagram, I've also um, created a really created a relationship with Ohm Apparel, mm -hmm. and that's been um, really great. I, I love the work that those guys are doing, um, it's also allowed me to give some insights into or it's given me a platform for me to share different mm -hmm. thoughts I have on my experiences and how they might I'm not looking necessarily to inspire people when I'm sharing these posts I think it's sometimes when I have a realization or an aha moment and I think okay actually you know what I think this is something I want to share mm -hmm. uh, because this is something that's happened to me and um in knowing that someone else can probably relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and I think also it's um, a way of, of building that connection, that initial connection, where when you meet someone, when someone meets you, they have a familiarity already, mm -hmm. and they uh, because often in life the small talk can be difficult. You don't know, do I go over and approach that person, speak to them? But the beauty of Instagram is that you have that's done for you. Yeah, and there's many things you can say about social media possible negative sides of it but i like to talk about the positive sides and like any tool you know uh, it can be used for to build something or to destroy something that's a bad example but you know um but interestingly touched upon on there um i would never have thought there'd be a clothing brand for men for yoga <laughs> and it's so uh because I've talked about this before and a lot of the people that come on this podcast happen to be men. It's just because I know more men than women. Uh, I do try and get women on the podcast, but you know, it's not. Um, so, um, but a lot of guys, and we've talked about this before, find it awkward doing yoga. Mm -hmm. They find it um, um, 
kind of uh, embarrassing. Even things like they don't have the right clothing to wear. That sounds, it sounds trivial, but guys care about what they look like the same way as people care about what they look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with, with that, as, as I think this is a topic that's, that's really interesting. I've got to speak into the mic. A topic that's really interesting is like men and yoga. You talked about the, the scene in Toronto and how the, that's changed. How have you seen um, the the whole, um, I suppose, growth of men? Is it like more men doing yoga? Because in Ireland, it's still very small. But in this, in America, Canada, it seems like it's a lot higher. Um, so what what would you say in terms of your impression of masculinity in yoga? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's such an interest. It is it's, it's a interesting topic. It's very relevant. Uh, I've been fortunate to travel and see various yoga scenes or see see yoga scenes in various cities, and that often gives me a little insight into the man woman ratio, and it you know it, it varies. It really does vary. Uh, I am definitely seeing over the years more and more men in yoga classes, which I think is spectacular, obviously being a man myself. But also it, you know, yoga, it's, a, it's um, as this podcast I was listening to last night says, it's, it's a woman's world um, out there. And also because of that, it's, I think it's amazing. I think that's great. Um, but because of that, it can also put your your regular can i say regular man <laughs> that's cool <laughs> it puts your lad's lad um it <laughs> might put them off from from coming into that space because it can be seen from the outside as overly feminine um not really allowing space for a man to come in and and just be mm-hmm. um but you know i find in more athletic cities athletic city what's an athletic city but like somewhere like cape town for example which is you yeah. know uh it's on the sea and people are living very active lifestyles similarly to like la um or even very uh what would i say urbanized cities like what would you what would you call a city like london or hong kong like a very cosmopolitan yeah. you know these very cosmopolitan cities where of course, there is an emphasis uh, or, 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 or more emphasis on how one looks. Um, these cities definitely have more body conscious. They have more men mm-hmm. in, in the yoga room, mm-hmm. which is great to see. Because in, in, in Ireland, and that doesn't surprise me, like um, in Ireland, we, uh, we're going for that transition now. And, and I, I feel that in life, sometimes you we all like to look at someone else to lead the way or say, oh, that person's doing this. Maybe I could do it too. And I, I think that's really important because I've changed so much since I started doing yoga, mm-hmm. loads. Um, and it's made my relationships in particular way better. Um, I mean, some people may say I've got a bit boring. <laughs> but never. I have, <laughs> thank you. I have fun in my mind. So, <laughs> um, uh, but, but I think one thing it's taught me is to kind of look after myself more. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean just mean physically, I mean to be a bit kinder to myself. Um, and I, and I, I remember when I first started doing yoga, I used to put my mat right in down the back in the corner. I was there in my like football jersey, my 
like crappy tracksuit bottoms and didn't and I, I already felt out of place but yeah I, and I wasn't like wearing the right gear I didn't you know um and I think that by seeing men come into the class that there's it's um and it's funny because you kind of you kind of encourage them in through the arm balancing mm-hmm. right I say yeah get the guys in the door because oh yeah I want to be strong and do things that look cool but then you can start to break down the barriers um, and I find that you can have conversations that you wouldn't normally have that normally require alcohol or talking about things through the guise of sports when really you want to ask someone how are you you know and actually have a proper conversation and I I, I actually had a class recently when Anthony Bourdain um, committed suicide like what about a month or so well about two months ago now maybe um, I, I don't know for some reason it really affected me um, because he's seen as such a macho guy does jiu-jitsu and he's a you know this big chef and he drinks and goes all around the world and I remember going to class and I was like I was like man I might cry here I, I might actually I was really emotional and outside the class I was chatting to a couple of the guys that come to my class and we were talking about Anthony Bourdain and then during the class I had probably my most taught my most emotional class as in yeah I, I wish I could be like that more often and I think a lot of guys would do well if they were like that more often. I felt um, it was more real. As I normally, I find that level of emotion uncomfortable, and because um, you get you get brought up to to don't cry, man up, and all that kind of stuff, and it's hard to shake that off. I was thinking thinking yesterday actually how when I was growing up, my two heroes were Bruce Lee <laughs> and He Man. <laughs> I mean, one guy looks like you know the I don't know kind of the strongest man in the world essentially and the other guy can beat up 20 men at once what does that say about like who your heroes are um but um i don't know where i'm going with this bruce (laughs) (laughs) you gotta save me here you gotta yeah i I think you know well first of all i think yoga one of the great things that it it teaches you know fundamentally is is the balance between masculine and feminine or or yang and yin Mm -hmm. And, you know, when uh, trying to get men through the door so that they can tap in to their feminine side in a space that allows them that without them having to feel judged by their male peers, uh, I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Because as you say, um, it it does have a lot to do with conditioning. And, you know, I think we live in a very uh, male-focused um, society, would you say that? Or not? Pa- it's not patriarchal as such, but um, where, where a man has to be um, a man, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and the subject of toxic masculinity is, uh, I mean, it's a hot topic right now. And um, how, you know, you look out to the world and you see how does that, how is that made manifest? You know, at, at the same time where women deal with body image issues, men also are, are dealing with the same. And I can only speak for myself, actually, that when, a, when of course, all I see um, are images of uh, bearded men who are, you know, incredibly uh, muscular. Um, I feel that 
I, I, I also feel that pressure to have that image. I'll never grow a beard. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Me neither, man. I'm not even... And there's no Asian in me at all. And I, and, and, and I, I have no... This is like three days of growth. But yeah. So I feel, <laughs> hopefully this beard phase ends quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, we, we stand out more. Yeah, okay. So if anyone's looking to go against the grain... <laughs> um, uh, nice pun. But also, but just a little... This could be bro science, but I've heard that the easier you are... To, the easier it is to grow a beard, the more quickly you lose your hair. Okay. Your head. Yeah, that well, could be bro science, so yeah. if it is, call me, call me out. <laughs> but I'm sticking with that. That's my canary in the coal mine. <laughs> well, it looks like we've both got full heads of hair, so we're, I think we're fine. Exactly. You talk about earlier growing up that your, your heroes were, were Bruce Lee or... Uh, and, and and the Hulk and I just think about my my own childhood um, I don't know if I had heroes as such but I grew up um, I was raised by a single mom my dad left my mom when she was pregnant and so it was just her and at least for those formidable years and I was always because she was on her own whenever she wanted to go socialize amongst her friends um, she'd take me with and of course it would always be around other women. So I had a very feminine upbringing. Um, and I've always, growing up, my closest friends, even until, even today, are, are women. And I feel the most comfortable around women. And it's something I'm aware of. And I actually have no shame in that. That's something I, I, I love women. Um, but also, it's, it's made me feel very uncomfortable being around you know, your regular Joe, um, someone who is more of a, a lad's lad, let's call it. And um, because the idea of masculinity for me was always, has, has growing up been lacking and, you know, being effeminate or slightly effeminate, I've, I've often been teased about femininity. So because of that conditioning, and it's something that I'm also trying to re, it's, you know, it's, it's work, it's self-work that I'm doing, trying to rewire that um, outlook or perspective. But to be okay as a man uh, with femininity and, and having, a, and being tapped in and tuned into, into your, your feminine side. Mm -hmm. um, and I think through the practice, that's definitely helped me it's given me the space to to ex explore those um, facets and my and and my own struggles with the whole masculine and feminine. Um, but I think I think it's see I, I I see you know when I look outside of the yoga world, I definitely see this idea of being masculine as something that is very damaging to to the psyche of men. Mm -hmm. You know if they're not living up to a particular, um, well, first of all, image of what a man should look like, um, but also mannerisms, mm -hmm. you know? And it's something that, if I think about it, even today, growing up, being teased about my non-masculinity, I see how it still affects me today in the way that I, I speak. You know, I'm often afraid to actually speak out because when I say speak out just like um, in, a, in a room of people and, and, and just share an opinion because I'm 
afraid that my my voice isn't masculine enough and and you know if it, if it does come out as feminine then someone's going to throw a, um, not a slur but um, a remark that that isn't kind so it's definitely had a, a an impact on me growing up um, not you know not being able to embrace my non-masculinity hmm. yeah it's um you're not the first person to say that i've heard that from um another yoga teacher i won't say who but like um and it really struck me he said in class oh um i finally found my voice or something like that and i, I didn't really get what he was saying but and i've heard you know another um a student of mine he said something similar it's like man you never think of that mm -hmm. you never think of that growing up um because i'm ashamed to say this now but when you're growing up the worst thing you can be, or like one of the side things is like, have no friends, oh, you're a loner, Billy no mates, or oh, you're gay, or that's gay. It's like, because um, I grew up in, I'm older than I look, or maybe <laughs> I look old, but you know, I grew up in the 80s, early 90s, and um, you just do that because it's that group mentality, that group think, and you never think about the, the other side. Mm. Um, uh, and I, actually, there's a, a very famous rugby player who, um, came out is that the right terminology mm -hmm. he came out and um and he said like every time i remember it said it really moved me actually he said every time someone says oh that's gay it like cut him inside a little bit you know because it, it made that word negative and i thought man you know you never think of that on the other side you just throw these throw words out mm -hmm. but words are powerful yeah very powerful. They, they really are and i'm i'm proud to say that um you know, I'm, pr I'm proud to, to live in Ireland, actually, because I think in Ireland we've come such a long way. And I say we, obviously, I have an English accent, but I've lived there half my life, 18 years, do the math. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, all the maths, as we'd say in England. <laughs> and um, But I've lived there such a long time, I've noticed how we've pro progressed in the, the whole um, equal marriage uh, uh, or the referendum and all that kind of thing have you noticed that because obviously you've been like you've visited Ireland and when you're helping out with Joe and Jane have you noticed how it's changed in terms of on that side absolutely you know even in the 10 10 days that I've been here in Dublin with you guys I've noticed several several um, same-sex couples walking down the street holding hands mm. which I think is it's it's a it's powerful um, I think it sends out a strong message that they that it, it, Dublin has created a safe enough space for same-sex couples to do that, and and at the same time, even if it didn't necessarily, I think same-sex couples who are comfortable enough in their own skin mm -hmm. to to want to sh to not feel ashamed to show their love for their partner mm -hmm. regardless of their sex but because i have seen a lot of that in the last 10 days and it's actually you know even with my last few visits it's something that um, i'm very aware of i think it definitely shows that that ireland is moving in in a positive direction with uh equal rights mm -hmm. um but even within the gay community there's uh there's a lot of there's there there's you know, if you go on a dating app and there's um, there's certain phrases that really, again, just keep pushing the the masculine agenda. Things like um, no femmes, 
you know, which <laughs> that means like no, no one, if you're feminine, this person's not interested in you or huh. mask only mask being okay. masculine only. And it's, I think even within that, even within the subculture, um, it, it really can also, ha- it, 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 it does have an effect on um, one's ability to feel comfortable with wherever they fall on that spectrum of mm-hmm. masculine and feminine. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, that's just, I've like no, no idea about that, that, um, that world, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I am a massive fan of Jordan Peterson and, um, I don't know, he's, oh, he's Canadian actually. Okay. Yeah. Shout out. Um, so Jordan B. Peterson, he wrote a book called 12 Rules of Life. I think that's the right title. And he has become an internet phenomenon through his stance on uh, gender pronouns, things like this. And he, and he essentially, his, I hope I'm not misquoting him or, uh, I've got his angle wrong, but his 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 angle is that like uh, we sh- should be. I appreciate that you know you say I want to be called this, but I um, have the right to refer to you as he or she until, unless it's illegal to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's um, yeah, it's it's a topic that um, like I it's like I said, I don't, I don't know much about, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, so, I think that's it's quite interesting when we talk about gender pronouns, and there's a a huge movement. I'd say, you know, because I've been between Africa and Europe in the last six months, that it is kind of happening, at least within those two continents. And I'm aware of it also because I spent some time in Toronto earlier this year. But there is a big movement around the world um, with gender pronouns. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I definitely, I understand it and I respect it, but at this, in the same regard as, uh, what's his name? Jordan Peterson. Yeah, as Jordan says. I think um, it, it has a lot to do with being attached to identity and attached to uh, ego, you know, because what's ha- what I'm seeing now is if you're not referring to someone as their pronoun, they get offended. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and I'm saying this with all due respect, but I think at the same time, it's like how attached are you to your identity that you can be offended by someone saying to you that you're a he, mm-hmm. you know, or that you're she. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a very interesting time, and I'm quite curious to see how that's going to evolve. Mm-hmm. But you know, in terms of the yoga realm, where we talk a lot about trying to detach yourself from ego, I don't know how pronouns is going to serve you in that regard. Yeah, yeah. that's the. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that back to yoga because that's what I love about yoga that you can feel free to um, express or um, uh, experience masculinity, femininity and just strip away all of these labels, all these titles. And you'll often hear teachers say that. They say, you know, forget about whatever labels you have, job titles before you come in the studio. And um, I think that I never would have thought that I'd be thinking this way or, or even doing yoga mm. and I think that's without realizing that has made me strip away my title my titles um you know of being like a laddie boozer does drugs and like likes kind of not womanizing but um you know I used to go out a lot of different women and stuff like that and um <laughs> I've stopped all that now yeah. <laughs> so and I and I think um that it's um it's uh that journey of self-discovery is so important. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be the same person I was when I was 25, 26. Yeah. And, I, and I think that um, 
I think development is important for all of us. Or, or even if you don't develop, but having that conversation with yourself. I heard someone say recently, the most important conversation you can have is with yourself, Absolutely. you know, and what you tell yourself. Um, so um, to close off, because I could chat to you for ages, <laughs> it's been so interesting. Um, what I, I, I was trying to think of like a kind of Oprah Winfrey question to yeah. ask you, like, um, but I'm, I'm interested in the future. Mm-hmm. Your, your future. Uh, what do you see for yourself in the next five years or so? What do you hope for yourself, let's say? What do I hope for myself? So <clears throat> I'm nomadic, um, you know, by choice, but also out of necessity. So one thing that I want to happen in the more immediate future is to have some um, clarity around where home base will be. Mm-hmm. I know where that is going to be. I'm essentially just waiting on more, you know, bureaucracy documentations and so forth so i really see myself spending half of my years in uh, half of my years half (laughs) of the year um in cape town and the other half in in barcelona as i would use those as bases i also want to have a retreat space uh where in spain where i can host of course my own retreats which i've been doing already and 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 teacher trainings and as well as invite people to come in and do the same. Mm. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And then something to look forward to. And you'd be guaranteed good weather. <laughs> Which is something I need. <laughs> unlike, to, unlike today. <laughs> no, today's great. It's a good send off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so safe flight. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me. It's been great. That was great, man. That got was it? Yeah, because it got better and better and better as well. Did it? I was oh, like, man. oh my god, where's this going? No, no, that's <laughs> the best way. Hope you enjoyed that one. It got um as always, they always start off kind of very polite the podcast and then they get more and more deep. But that's 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 what life's all about, isn't it? Um finding the true essence of people. Um next week I have with me Sarah Grogan and Chris McGee. Um, they were over for a workshop here in Yoga Hub and uh, they came into my little studio and it was my first time, it's an exclusive, it's my first time ever having two guests at the same time on the podcast. So um, yeah, look forward to that next week and have a good one as always. If you like, leave me a review, share with your friends, someone you love, maybe listen to the podcast with your partner um why not instead of watching tv get away from that screen and get some some ear candy me and you (laughs) that sounds odd all right anyway have a good week and i'll speak to you next thursday bye bye